0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice.
1: Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore.
0: And I'm Dr. Paul Mintz.
1: Hi, Dr. Nassif.
0: Hey, I got to tell you, I'm so excited, Mackenzie, this week because... I just recently, you know, we're gonna, you know, you know, we've been doing this whole health thing that we've been yep. talking about. Yeah. So I just recently had a, a cardiac, or it's called a CT angiogram of my heart. Wow. And I'll tell you, you know, about that in a minute. So I'm excited because we got my good buddy and my cardiologist, Dr. Ram Dan Delia from Beverly Hills, to be with us today. How's your week been?
1: It's been good. Uh, traveling from Vegas to LA, and and after we wrap up, I'm getting back in the car to go back.
0: Oh my goodness. Are Non-stop. you in LA right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm at my parents' house. I was going to say and, you're uh, at your
0: parents' house.
1: Yeah, that's why different background, different headphones. I don't have my headphones. I can't pack up everything.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, you still sound good. So Thank you. everyone, I want you all to meet my good friend, Dr. Ram, who not only is a cardiologist, but he's been helping me with pretty much, I'm going to say some anti-aging medicine. Really? Ram, would you say that? We could call that, sure. Give us all a little introduction about what you exactly do.
2: Absolutely. well, thank you, Paul, for having me on. This is uh, terrific. So I'm an internist as well as a cardiologist. Oh. Um, I'm in private practice. also have uh, an administrative role at Cedar Sinai'm clinical chief of the Cardiology department.: Oh, wow, a- private practice and help guide people to, you know, their best uh, path for health.
1: That's Love amazing. That. How did you get
0: into cardiology?
2: You know, it was an interest of mine since medical school, just fascinated by the physiology, anatomy of the the heart. I was fortunate to have some amazing mentors in medical school and in residency coming to Cedars, which was really a mecca of cardiology. Um, I think several of us were just really inspired uh, by the legends and giants at Cedars. So it was uh, a lifelong fascination that uh, became a career. Now, to all of you folks that
0: are listening from different parts of the country, Cedars-Side Eye Hospital is our big main center in Los Angeles, yes. Beverly Hills area. I think it's one of the top hospitals in the country.
1: I believe it is now.
2: That's right. Nationally, I think number three. Yeah.
0: What we want to do, Mackenzie? why don't you... So we have questions to ask you, generic yeah. questions first. And
1: I also have off the question stuff to ask you, oh, as yeah. always. <laughs>
0: Well, I got a thousand. I got to tell you about that. But <laughs> why don't you start off, ask him some good old basic homegrown questions Yeah, that you think our listeners will love to hear about a cardiologist.
1: Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, Dr. Dandelia, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, okay. this, this is all, this all falls in the line of demystifying beauty because beauty is not just external. It's, it's inside as well. So I want to hear from you, you know, uh, what is an appointment like with you? How, what, how do you go about heart health?
2: You know, so if a typical patient comes to the office, um, you know, we first uh, have them come in and there's a process of uh, the interview where we spend 20, 30 minutes perhaps really understanding um, their diet, their lifestyle, their past history family history is very important. So we just, it's really information gathering. um, And depending on how detailed that is, that could take shorter, sometimes longer. One of the things that we do quite a bit of is preventative cardiology, people who've never had a problem, but there's family history. And so we want to elucidate what's going on there. Me, you. Me,
1: me. (laughs) Very, very interesting. That is, that is fascinating. You know, I, it's, it's interesting because that, Heart health is something that has come up more recently in, in my family. It's it's obviously been an issue in my family for many, many years. Um, unfortunately, all my great uncles passed at 40 of heart attacks. Whoa. So it is a strong uh, thing in our family. However, my mother was just recently diagnosed with AFib. Uh. And for those listening um, or watching, you know, can you please explain what AFib is? And I'm curious to know how you would go about treating AFib.
0: You know, before he answers that, that's what this whole text was about.
1: Oh no way!
0: Is about kind of a relative of mine who needs to uh-huh. go in and have a procedure to stop the AFib, and we were talking about what's the best doctor, and because of the oh my the blood clotting and all that, and that's what we were just talking about right now.
1: Well, AFib, you're hearing. Yeah. I feel like you're hearing it a lot right now. I don't know if you if this is true, but I feel like I am hearing it a lot in the news, in the media. AFib. So, if you could please explain AFib to everyone.
2: So, atrial fibrillation is an electrical abnormality of the heart rhythm where heart rhythm basically becomes irregularly, what we call irregularly irregular. It's a very chaotic rhythm. So, number one, the patients can start to feel it. They can feel palpitations, shortness of breath, feel more tired. Sometimes they don't have any symptoms. The scary part about atrial fibrillation is that there's definitely a risk, depending on other risk factors, for stroke. So this is one of the leading causes of stroke in the country. And now that we have devices, including an Apple Watch, that can detect Ah. atrial fibrillation you're seeing, you're hearing much more about it because there's early detection, which is the key, because there's some great interventions that can be done to either get rid of it or manage the risk.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Now, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get controversial here. I truly am not. <laughs> I just have to ask the question. Dr. Nassif knows me. I just I have to ask the question. Because we've seen this uptick. Now, I know you're saying with Apple Watch, but people are throwing it out there. I know what you're going to say. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. COVID or COVID vaccine or is it the COVID infection itself? Are you seeing an uptick because of either of those?
2: You know, it's interesting. I think for me personally, um, during the peak points of the pandemic, there were certainly a number of patients coming in for increased palpitations and things like that. But I, I, I don't know if I've really seen that trend sort of sustained. Yeah. Certainly, that sort of has quieted down. And I think there may have been some association, but these numbers were not really big, at least in my practice. Um, uh-huh. But there was some concerns about about all of that. Again, a little bit of a controversial subject. But, um, you know, I think the vaccines were safe. Um, But for certain people, they did have some some of these effects.
1: But even COVID itself, that's what I heard, that even COVID infections were causing issues.
2: Yes, there was a myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle that could uh, that was certainly there. And again, knock on wood, you know, we're we're not exactly seeing, you know, a lot of these cases right now, which is great.
1: Thank God. I mean, I'll tell you
0: something. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation about, you know, which is very controversial, of course. I of course. Vaccines. Now, when you have a patient, so I have a family history. and just to let you know, as a plastic surgeon, if I'm doing any procedures, I send them to him from the age wow. of 50 on or earlier if they have, you know, I'm 61, or earlier if they have a cardiac history. Wow. For you, normally, between a man and a woman, in age-wise...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ram, is there a specific age for either one?
2: For uh, in terms of screening or yes. getting uh, Like a cardiology,
0: program. just, hello, let me come in and get my first echo or stress test or something.
1: Yeah, does it change it, for you men know, or women? It,
2: honestly, if there's a family history, I say get in as soon as possible, mm. even if you're in your 20s, 30s, because there is some blood testing that we would do and we can talk about it. But one of them is LP little a, which is a genetic test that can be done one time, you know, really will help us identify if there's extra risk because statins doesn't lower LP little a, um, it lowers LDL cholesterol, but not LP little a, which is one of the things where you can see risk, um, despite having normal cholesterol. Wow. Okay, you know what? You're going to have to remind
0: me and text me later when I forgot, do I have that? I think I do. We'll
2: talk offline. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. HIPAA. We got HIPAA going <laughs> on here. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Nassif, what? you should know uh, better. Uh, what
0: can we do about that? <laughs> Well, speaking about that today in the news, and I think he's stable. You know, uh, Bronny James. Yes. Had a, he was probably, I think it was is he playing basketball? And again, these kids yeah. playing basketball. He had a cardiac arrest or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't read all the details and what the circumstances were, but um, yeah, our, our, of course. Um, thoughts and prayers to the to the whole family there. These are always tragic situations Unfortunately, fortunately there was, what I understand, there was early intervention and between CPR and having a defibrillator close by, these are really what's so critical in all these um, athletic settings and so forth. So early intervention is absolutely key and they handled it, I believe, um, great and he's stable uh, in the ICU. From oh, thank I, God. I
1: You know, with that, are there any, like, uncommon signs that that people should be looking out for? I mean, is there anything that, you know, we all know the typical signs of, like, the pain, the down the arm. But what are some things that we maybe wouldn't think to look for?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think classically, you know, we've always described crushing symptoms, chest pain or elephant sitting on the chest. Uh, It could be even more subtle. It could be left arm, jaw pain shortness of breath, particularly in women, we worry about more of the atypical symptoms of coronary disease. The presentation has been underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed for various reasons. And we know that, of course, you know, women have different physiology in their coronary arteries. And the presentation of, of these symptoms can be much, much different. So we have to be very vigilant. And again, being at Cedars, where there's a dedicated women's heart center, we can actually, we have some very powerful tools to look at that. So wow. I encourage everyone to sort of look into that and uh, be, be vigilant of, of symptoms that are unexplained and try to take it to the next level of testing if needed.
1: Wow. Now, what are some things that people can do at home? just to increase heart health?
2: Again, great question. I think everyone recognizes the huge role of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Myself, I'm a proponent of a plant-forward, plant-based Mediterranean mm-hmm. diet, which is good. And again, doesn't uh, have to be a 100% vegan diet, but the more we adopt that kind of a plant-based style of eating and probably also caloric restriction to a certain extent, mm. those are things that are gonna extend longevity. Um, and if you look at the populations that adopt this from observational studies, it's 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 pretty it's pretty compelling. A lot of that data. So reducing processed food, excess carbs and sugar, things that we all know about, but also things like hydrating well, getting enough mm. sleep, very very critical. Uh, the role of sleep keeps you know keeps getting more and more important in our world and trying to get more sophisticated ways to look at sleep architecture and how people are sleeping. That's going to be, uh, again, a very interesting target intervention for a lot of our patients.
1: Sleep. Interesting.
2: And
0: and you talked to me about it when we spoke, stress, cortisol, keeping the cortisol level. Oh, you know, like there. And yep. Uh, yep. so let me ask you a question about this whole, uh, you know, the, cardi- I mean, the uh, cardiovascular aspect. And I remember there's uh, different stages of what you need to have your heart rate up in a certain amount, so many times a week or something. Ah. I forgot there was a name for that. What, what, tell us that aspect.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of high level, um, you know, you can certainly look at different zones of where your heart rate is. And there's this idea of keeping your heart rate in zone two. There's different sort of um, breakdowns within that um, based on kind of what's your maximum predicted heart rate. Um, but I think what we're recognizing more and more is that you don't even have to necessarily exercise for you know strenuous long amounts, but having something daily consistent mm. is gonna be excellent. It doesn't have to, and it can be even just brisk walking, but the more you sort of focus on um, activity, and also the other thing that's important, again, putting on the diet piece is, is don't forget protein because protein is really linked to longevity um, from that standpoint. So this is all important to tie in.
0: You know, as before, there's a few more questions on that, but, you know, a lot of us think, and I just read some article disagreeing with this, that a little alcohol is not going to hurt you. So, from your standpoint, whether it's wine or clear alcohol or stuff or a couple of drinks a week,
2: yeah. do we have I mean, any
0: good, you know, final thoughts on Alcohol consumption.
2: You know, I, I it's a great question. As you as you know, wine and you know mild to moderate sort of alcohol intake was thought to be acceptable as part of our Mediterranean style diet, and maybe the thought was with trace amounts of resveratrol and red wine it's that veritrol. was going to be helpful. Yeah. Again, it's a very very small amount, but I think really the newer consensus is that. Any alcohol is probably not going to be good for you. Um, the risk outweighs the benefit. Everyone has to make a personal choice about that, but it's the the data is suggesting that it's it's not the alcohol is just toxic. It's toxicity for the cells.
1: So even when people talk about red wine, that's still not yeah.
0: You know what's the bummer about that is you know I I just I love a good glass of Bordeaux, a good glass of red wine, you know, <laughs> or even a to get to I'm allergic. <laughs> So there you go. That's smart. That's good.
1: It's good. And then I just,
0: just what he just said, I just read about the toxicity aspect.
1: Interesting.
0: So, which is a bummer for a lot of us listening. But in addition, when we spoke last year, and the reason why we're talking about all this, so I lost my brother last year, last July 6th. He was Mm -hmm. 63. He had a lot of the risk factors, you know, overweight, sedentary lifestyle, Maybe a little high blood pressure, a different things. Family kind of family history high cholesterol. And he was um, in the middle of getting an IV, and I think the woman of fluid overloaded him. And he already had some heart disease and coronary heart disease. And that's what we found out later on. And he died right there, just died. I mean,
2: oh,
0: and I'm still his birthday was mm. yesterday, and so I'm still mm. a mess about that. So but sorry. Yeah. So it's funny. Is about three weeks. Well, not funny. Uh, coincidentally. Two, three weeks before that, I had a CT, cardiac CT angiogram we, we talked about. because I get routine echocardiograms and all this stuff, stress tests, and, you know, it does the calcium score, which shows how much calcium, again, it's another predictor, and also any blockage. Because the old days, we do this angiogram, if you're very sick, right. you know, and they have to, uh, you know, it's a big, you're going inside the leg, um, you know, in the femoral vein, and it's a pretty big procedure and yeah. high risk. Now they do a CT. So I had a little bit of calcium a year ago and a little bit, small blockage mm-hmm. in one of my blood vessels. One at 20, you know, my, he's symptomatic. And so I called him and I said, just like what we're doing now, cardiac, try to do the blue zone diet. And that's what he was talking about. Some of these areas that live, the more centurions that live past a hundred, like Sardinia, mm-hmm. Loma Linda. Where was somewhere in Asia, correct, Doctor?
2: Is it okay, Japan? Japan, I, I think, think Okinawa somewhere like. That.
0: Yeah. And they do drink a little alcohol, a little wine, they eat a little bit of fish, but he's a vegan. Um, doctor Ram is, and so we talked about that. We talked about uh, because you know I exercise a decent amount, so do you, Mackenzie, mm-hmm. and we were talking about statins because I have a family history of high cholesterol. And, you know, he orders a special test to look at my cholesterol level, like this LP little a and all that. And, um, we, you know, we try to optimize my LVL, which we have. And, um, and then the biggest thing he told me about in my line is go sleep, which I have been, but it's the cortisol release from stress.
1: Ah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the, one of the biggest things for me, whether it's yoga, meditation, whatever it is to get it down, a lifestyle change. So I had another one on Friday. Now, you don't get them that close, but I just wanted to see, because of what happened to my brother, a little bit more paranoid, did I get worse? And my calcium score got a little better, and it looked like when I was looking at the flow of the little plaque, that it appeared that the plaque got even a little bit smaller, the uh, soft plaque. And so, I've been trying to incorporate, God willing, the things that he told me to do. So, it's really important to cardiovascular health.
1: It is. It is really very healthy. And, you know, I I would even love for you, doctor, to explain for people listening, because I know what zone two is simply because of my Peloton. It tells me when I'm in zone two. Oh. But, yeah, Dr. Nassif. (laughs) What (laughs) is that?
0: Yeah, I want to know
2: too. So
1: you got, I think it's important for people to know exactly what zone two means.
2: Yeah. I mean, zone two, and again, there's a table you can just get um, that has a breakdown of all the... You know different sort of uh heart rates um but you know again calculate a little bit based on their um their predicted heart rate but you know for some people being kind of zone two maybe sustaining like around 120 you know beats per minute that will be their zone two based on their age and their sort of um kind of their goal there there's a formulation and so staying within that sort of range is kind of an optimum range to Sort of enhance cardiac health for various mechanisms. It's sustainable. It helps with just optimizing um, cardiac health. So, so we, we, we tend to stay in that zone um, because zone three you start to have excess, um, you know, just just excess cal- caloric burn. So that's why it's a it's a good good range there.
1: And would you recommend, like I, I prefer Fitbit, I do have an Apple Watch, but I but do you like to have your patients wear or do you recommend some of the monitors?
2: Yeah, I think any of these monitors are good. I don't know if I have a, a necessary preference for any of these. No, but um, just to have one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. good to kind of track it. Um, again, when I get people on, their, on the treadmill here, um, mm-hmm. what I like to do is sort of see kind of how quickly they get to their, um, their yeah. target heart rate and how... Quickly, their recovery will be. So again, there's a lot of variables around that, um, and this is where it's kind of helpful to get that baseline to see how much they can push themselves. Because if they start to in the in the the first stage of our Bruce protocol start to struggle, then that gives us a lot of information that they should probably slow it down a little bit, and and based on the speed and the grade on the treadmill, they have to you know adjust their workload.
1: Interesting.
2: I think it just depends on what people love to do and how they like to move and, you know, find what's good. And again, you can get very, very analytical and methodical. Maybe I look at a little bit bigger picture, um, but give some loose guidelines on what to do Mm -hmm. and try to see how they can achieve it. So
1: So it's movement. Movement is important. I mean, for those 10,000 steps a day, right? That's that's me. I get my 10,000 every day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's
2: always good. Mm -hmm. It's
0: hard when I'm sitting in here doing this, but. So let me ask you a question about the young folks that's one of our questions so i just talked to him earlier and i was texting him and i talked to him yesterday about i want you know him seeing all my children all my boys smart so one of my boys he had some work up and his cholesterol was a little high he's 20. so i said first of all for him and i want you to correct me if i'm wrong i told him to get on fish oil what's your thoughts about that
1: ah good question
2: Fish oil. Well, you know, fish oil is um, has a lot of beneficial aspects. Certainly, Uh, typically we use it for high triglycerides. I'd have to remember if he had high triglycerides on his numbers. Fish oil has some additional interesting properties, potentially for coronary plaques, which I think you know we've discussed. You know, for you also, Paul, possibly some uh, with high potency fish oil, maybe even some regression. So there's um, there's definitely good benefits. Maybe. Eating more fish, you know, you can derive yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of this. But the purified fish. fish oil, definitely there's there's, there's some good benefits.
0: And I'm on that prescripted fish oil. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on VICEPA. That's what I'm on now. Yeah. What is that? Just a very purified?
2: Highly purified, pharmaceutical grade. Um, we've studied these compounds for, for many years. Again, finally... We're finding some good signals that there is going to be benefits. Maybe a little bit of controversy behind how some of these trials are done, but high level, it looks like there's not only is there going to be um, improvement in the lipid profile, there's going to be potentially plaque reduction based on some of the some of the recent trial data, and perhaps that there's a suggestion that this can. Reduce um, future MI. Again, some controversy in the study yeah. studies that are out there, but um, it, there's a, there's an interesting signal that uh, for the appropriate patients, I think it's a good good addition.
1: I mean, it's interesting to me that you do bring this up because I am somebody that I eat healthy, I exercise, I drink my gallon of water, I get my eight hours of sleep. You know, I I, I try to keep stress low, but that doesn't happen. However, even with a healthy lifestyle, I, a month or so ago, had super high cholesterol, Mm. very concerning cholesterol. And Mm. my doctor had suggested a statin. I wasn't ready to jump there because I I know there can be side effects with that. So I did try the very high-level fish oil, and now I'm finally under 200 for for what the, the ones should be. And my doctor, he called me, he said, I'm, I'm shocked right now. <laughs> he was genuinely yeah. shocked. And he said, whatever you're doing with, uh, it's great, it's working. It's very dust. Great. Do what you got to do.
0: But but now, and again, Dr. Dan Delia might say something different. Yeah. But just telling you, that is still not fantastic. Because remember, what you're looking at, at least with me, what we're looking at,
1: mm-hmm. is
0: one, the HDL, of course, you know, and that goes up with exercise. and But it's the LVL.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah, and the all LVL... my numbers got
1: normal, which was interesting. Everything yeah, but, normalized. But there's
0: no way your LVL is normal if you're if you're just around 200 or just under 200, because your LVL, doctor, is it 90 and below, or what's the new number since it keeps dropping every? year? you know,
2: it's it a does. it's 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 a it's a it's a good topic. It's an interesting topic, and I think there's different ways to approach it. And yeah you know, if you do these advanced lipid panels, um, there's, you know, there's LDL, which has traditionally been called the bad cholesterol. There's HDL, which is traditionally Mm -hmm. the good cholesterol, and there's triglycerides. Um, The newer thinking is that, you know, perhaps these labels are too simplistic. Mm. What we should be thinking about is the real, the the sum of all the, what we call atherogenic particles, all the particles that are going to create plaque. And there's another number called, uh, uh, another test called APOB, which summates that much better, that risk, because we have the, the risk from LP little a, the risk from LDL. The risk from what we call VLDL, which is another type of um, cholesterol. So the the biochemistry gets very very complex, and so um, ApoB was was used to be kind of a, a niche test, but it's easier and easier to get that ordered. Perhaps a better marker yes. of overall risk uh, than even LDL. But high level, if you're just looking at LDL cholesterol, what we consider low has been getting lower and lower. Um, essentially every iteration of our guidelines. Um, You know, we used to want to get LDL below 100. Now in high-risk patients, it was like get it way below 70. And now we're trying to get it below 50. And I think in many of our patients that right number, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lower limit where you take LDL where there hasn't been a corresponding reduction in risk, which is really interesting. And now with the new, what we call PCSK9 inhibitors, which are injectable drugs, we can take cholesterol down to numbers that we never thought really possible, really powerful drugs.
1: That is interesting. Yeah, there you go. Great. There. <laughs> now, I, I read yeah. an article, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I read an article that in Europe, their their levels of cholesterol, their lipids, all of that were at a much higher allowance than in the united states is that true do you know if that is a true statement you
2: know i think it's you know there's been this concept of the 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 french paradox yeah where in france there are um you know the population there has a certain of course rich diet and there's just much less incidence of coronary disease that was an observation um compared to the united states um and i think there were various um reasons to account for that it was it was Was it the genetics? Was it the activity? Was it the stress uh, levels with work? Um, So, again, I don't know if that's fully kind of teased out. But, again, I think if you tease out the factors, um, populations that have high LP little a, have high calcium scores, high inflammatory markers, they're going to end up having just higher rates of coronary disease.
1: Interesting.
0: So one of our questions is about kids. And I was telling Mm -hmm. you about Gavin. I want to start having him watch his cholesterol and his, you know, and some of it's again familial, her side of that, me, his mom's side, my side. So let's say his LDL is low and he's 20, taking some fish oil, maybe, maybe not like you said about plaques, you know, maybe it's also good for his brain and and, uh, clarity. But, and again, I always forget the name of this. Can you take a healthy kid, but maybe a little high cholesterol, maybe not the best. And they're already doing a decent diet, not a statin, but can you put them on that? um, What is the name of that pill that I'm on again? Zedia. Zedia. Yeah. I mean, is that something that's kind of benign? And how does Zedia work?
2: So, Zedia is a non statin alternative. It blocks absorption of cholesterol from the gut, both from the diet and from the circulation of cholesterol through the bile. So, it's a very powerful medication, it's a great medication. Um, and it can be combined with a statin also. So it's a great synergistic combination that can lower um, cholesterol much more than, than just either of those, those two medicines alone. So the combination works well. Um, so so it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting choice. It's a great choice. I think we'd have to individualize it for, um, uh, you know, uh, whoever it is, you know, based on risk and other factors. But it's, a, it's an interesting choice for sure
0: the side effects are pretty low with that
2: well tolerated um yeah much i i would say from that standpoint much more favorable than than the statins yeah. and what what we see in the population
1: now you talk about you know younger people and dr Nassif. you mentioned your son 20 years old uh, dr dandelier what would you say is the youngest age that somebody should start checking on their heart i mean what 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 are the factors like what do you consider
2: yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think there was recommendations by the American Academy of Pediatrics of doing a screening lipid panel in teens, wow. you know, because we know that this process of atherosclerosis starts in the teenage years, wow. um, with what's called a fatty streak. So I, I think you can't go wrong by, by drawing basic labs. If there's a strong family history, yeah. you should maybe think about checking LP little a and things like that, because you know, it, again, you want to you want a kid to be a kid. You want your a y- young person has to live their life, and diet is a, a big part of that. But I think you start to have to be conscientious about that and learn these habits at uh, kind of an early age.
1: Interesting.
0: That, that's so interesting because when we talk about that, I think you know, as I was mentioning, since I have teenagers, yeah. and that's why I'm going to bring them all in, Mackenzie, so they yeah, can I all. I think I might um, bring in my yeah Yeah, and actually get <laughs> some blood work. Absolutely. Now, some of the uh, the things when we talk about health maybe i'm going to use the word anti-aging and i think you do this correct me if i'm wrong but do you do like nad and ozone and stuff like that
1: Mm.
2: it's a great question you know i put it this way i mean these are technologies that i'm interested in part of it is because i have a very large um internal medicine based practice um and actually you know with, with with covid for example. We had a lot of patients that have um, suffered from different findings, long COVID type symptoms. Right. And so there's a basis if you look in the literature of some of these technologies like NAD, ozone to help. So I definitely have referred patients um, to some, some folks that I know that are very knowledgeable in sort of the techniques and the protocols. Um, so the, the theoretical basis is there. As you know, we don't have large controlled studies uh, for, for some of these technologies but if you really read the literature about it um it, it it's 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 fascinating and anecdotally it has helped several of my patients but again that's oh. just um a small you know a small sample size but the these technologies can be helpful
0: can you just give the audience a very simple explanation of what ozone therapy or NAD NAD
1: you literally yeah. took the question out of my mouth Dr Nassif <laughs>
2: Yeah. Put it this way: it's a it's 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 fairly complex biochemistry, and again, I'm not um, you know a, a molecular biologist or a scientist yeah. there. But if you think about the aging sort of um, the theory of aging, one of the leading causes is that you get dysfunction or dysregulation of mitochondria, mm. which is a component of every cell. And those have traditionally, as you remember, Paul, we, we consider this the batteries of your cells. You um, they the powerhouse. They're involved, the powerhouse. So they generate something called ATP, which is very critical, obviously, for mammalian life. So NAD um, catalyzes many of these reactions in the mitochondria. Um, I think there's hundreds of reactions that are very critical for to, for life to move forward and optimally for, for NAD to be there. As you get older, both the quality and quantity of NAD starts to change. And so the hypothesis has been, if you can replace NAD through uh, oral supplementation, through IV, um, this is going to help rejuvenate and restore these levels. And so oh. The data has been a little bit conflicting, um, and there's an active area of investigation, even with oral, what we call NMN compounds, yeah. um, to see how this works. And there were some studies that maybe this can help people in what's called like a six-minute walk test, but some some controversies um, and maybe some flawed methodology. So. Hard to draw conclusions just yet about this, but uh, again, you, you, you take a look at folks who are on NAD and see what their goals are. Um, certainly, there's a large population that, that, that likes this and certainly feels that there's a sense of energy and vitality. And again, there's a basis of why this may work. Um, you know, as you get older, um, less less quality NADs in your system.
0: Interesting. How does the ozone therapy... Work
2: well. Ozone, I think, is a little bit more complex. There's there's certain theoretical basis for why ozone can work. Um, ozone in large quantities is a, it's a gas, as you know. We have ozone in the atmosphere, um, but this is toxic um, in larger quantities. Hmm. The idea is that to give ozone in very very small quantities through the blood, it's essentially the way you you o- ozonate blood. You withdraw blood you add ozone and you reinfuse it. Those are called passes. And the idea is that ozone will create sort of activate a counter-regulatory set of um, uh, biochemical reactions that will be favorable for your body. It'll help fight off. Certainly, there's been basis for viral infections, COVID. Um, People have used it, of course, for these anti-aging purposes, which, again, you have to be careful about. But it it certainly has a basis for helping some of these no-option patients that have chronic fatigue and other things like that, where there hasn't mm. been, uh, uh, and the same with NAD, there is, hasn't been really a medical paradigm that has been helpful for them. And this has been something that has been um, tried and has been, for some folks, has been has been helpful. But the idea is with NAD, ozone can actually help with optimizing the ratio of proper NAD levels as well. So again, these are all kind of speculative and theoretical bases. It does seem safe as well. But uh, everyone has to do their own research, consult with their, you know, doctors and see if, if that may be suitable for them.
1: Interesting. And when you talk about NAD, you, you do you mean the the IV NAD?
2: Yes. Because
1: I know that An can IV take NAD, a long I'll time. I'll just make
2: a comment. Yeah, IV NAD has to be done very carefully. Yeah. You know, people have some pretty bad experiences with... NAD if it's not done um, properly and right. it not, it's, it's not done really slowly because you can get yes. a lot of chest pressure and mm-hmm. abdominal pressure. So um, ab- absolutely. Uh, so you have to go into that very, very slowly.
1: Yeah. It's a good five, six hour process from what I hear. Yes. Wow. What's the whole, is any
0: of this or is there something else that helps protect what the telomeres
2: you know, honestly, I, 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 I'll i tell you, I think, you know, the whole theory, I think, Paul, you know, you're alluding to is that, you know, as, as cells replicate um, telomeres, which are at the end of, you know, the chromosomes, um, they start to, they start to shorten. And that's been a sort of a marker of, of cellular aging. Is it? I don't know if... That was a very popular thing to check, Um, I know, like 10, 15 years back, I believe that that methodology for checking cellular aging has not been really more accepted based on some recent literature about, you know, how do you find out someone's true true cellular age. But theoretically, the idea was that things that, you know, if you ate a certain diet, if you had a certain lifestyle, you could actually preserve your, your telomere length, again, things with things like rapamycin and NAD, all of these the theoretical things could potentially help. But again, I think there's a little bit of lack of data um, behind a lot of those, the long-term studies behind that I think is lacking. So it's, it's still speculative, I think.
1: I'm just curious, what are some of the misconceptions when it comes to heart health?
2: Good question. Um, I think people sometimes wait too long when mm. there's a symptom. Maybe it's like, you know, if I'm feeling okay, I'm, I'm really fit on the outside. I must be, everything else must be going on well inside my body. And sometimes that's a completely different picture. I mean, wow. having taken care of a lot of very fit, muscular people over the years, you'd be surprised when you really do a calcium score. So I think if there's one message out of this podcast, I would encourage everyone is to make sure you get a calcium score. Make sure you get your advanced lipid panel done with LP, little A, and Apo B. Um, All of those things are just—they're simple. They're cost-effective. Very, very powerful because you can be truly asymptomatic and have a major problem going on. And you don't even have to see a cardiologist. You know, if you have a, 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 an internist, a resourceful internist, mm-hmm. and again, for your viewers, we certainly could um, give them some links, links and, uh, to some of the labs and places that they can get some of the testing done in Southern California. But Definitely. it's um, very very accessible now for them to get this done.
0: Okay, Cindy, so on my question, this is, um, this is about male health. There's a lot of folks that talk about testosterone, and I know some women take it, too, for health. I'll you, raises her hand. Where you get a little bit older, you take a little testosterone, but then you have a lot of the younger folks taking it. So, when it comes to heart health, mm. protective versus disruptive
1: mm-hmm.
0: about testosterone, do we have any, yeah. you know, because I'm on low dose myself, because I'm 61, yeah. and Mackenzie just kind of pointed to herself, Do you have any information about that in regards to the cardiac status?
2: Again, I I think it's a very individualized sort of question. Um, There's clearly, you know, you have to understand why does someone need testosterone and why why are they seeking it, benefit from it. Um, Of course, there's traditional indications. um, But as a cardiologist, you know, I do have folks that get testosterone from urologists or other sources. Mm -hmm. Um, Our job is to make sure that blood pressure um, lipid profiles, all of those things are um, proper and monitored carefully. Um, with some of my patients that have had significant cardiac events, you have to be ex- exceptionally careful uh, just to make sure that, uh, because there is some data that testosterone can accelerate soft plaque formation um, in the coronary artery. So you want to be careful about that. Having said that, um, I think there's been some recent data also confirming that testosterone has been safe from a from a cardiac standpoint, um, from an MI standpoint, and so forth. I think there was a recent um, study that came out um, about that. So I think it can be safely done. It has to be individualized yeah. to the um, risk factors and to the person. Um, but uh, again, everyone has to have that personal sort of discussion and take a look at that.
1: I got one. It's, it's not along these lines, but I do have a, a question before we slowly start to wrap up. As I know a lot of listeners, watchers, people deal with um, different forms of disorders, um, panic attacks, um, panic disorder. I'm somebody that that has dealt with panic attacks. Because you feel that crushing in your chest, have you ever found that panic attacks, panic disorders do play a role down the road or at any point on the heart physically, or is it just a physiological
2: it's. I guess it really depends on the individual. Um, I think certain folks have just a lot of stress mm-hmm. and they're maybe prone to um, having those kind of panic attacks and palpitations and so forth. Certainly treating that appropriately with, you know, for example, with like beta blockers um,
1: oh, interesting. can
2: be very, very helpful um and that can have a lot of interesting heart effects that can be comfortable but those those people really should be treated and screened you know aggressively and appropriately for cardiac risk absolutely
1: yeah cuz it sure does it, it feels like a heart attack when when you're in the midst Not of sure. a bad one it can feel like a heart attack
2: absolutely what is your favorite part of your job great question i mean you know i'll say we it, it it's something that through the pandemic, I, I really reflected on the profession of medicine quite a bit. But I'll tell you, every day is unique and interesting. And I get to meet some of the most amazing people in all walks of life. And we really need, get to make some of the biggest impacts they've ever had in terms of their, their, their health. And I think it's a wow. such a unique opportunity to be able to sometimes connect the dots, solve a problem whether it's cardiac or otherwise, sometimes it's just a matter of listening through and understanding kind of where, Mm. you know, what the real problem is. And sometimes it's not a medical issue. Could be something at home or a social issue, so forth. So I think the exciting part is that we have all the resources and tools being where we are in LA and at Cedars. And to be able to work with such a talented group of um people at Cedar Sinai, you know, on the on the administrative and professional side. It's uh it's amazing. So we've been I've been quite blessed with that.
0: Isn't that beautiful? I mean that's that actually I fantastic that.
2: to hear. Thank you.
0: Well, I think our time is up.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: it went by really fast because it did. It did. Uh, <laughs> you know, because we have some great stuff. I mean, this is something that's absolutely wonderful talking about.
1: Some wealth longevity of
0: and card health. Mm-hmm. And
2: um absolutely.
0: We want to thank you. And by the way,
1: thank you Dr. Nalaya.
0: Pleasure. I don't know if people want to find you. What's the best way for them to find you? A, a website, a social media, office number? Yeah, what, you know I have got kind
2: of a low profile on 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 social media. I need to get <laughs> you a little. Um <laughs> I do have a I do have a website. You can certainly google our information. Um Again, um, you know, happy to post that up as well, you know, uh, for you guys. So, yeah, happy to help people and, you know, see how we can guide them the right way anytime.
1: Fantastic.
0: Everyone, that's Dr. Ram uh, Dandaliya talking about, again, heart health and just other aspects of a little bit of longevity. And um, which has been wonderful because we talked about the heart. And especially with the two of us, uh, Mackenzie and I, you know, we both have our own little kind of hopefully small heart issues. And um, I, this has been a wonderful hour. Anything yeah. you want to add, Mackenzie, before we uh, sign off for the day?
1: Oh, gosh, there's always so much I want to add, but no, we got to sign off. But Dr. Dandelia, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I, I think uh, our viewers, our listeners will. Take a lot from this. I invite anybody that is watching or listening to post your questions. Please like, subscribe. Um, If you have more questions on heart health and longevity, don't hesitate to ask. And join us next week on Demystify Beauty. Thank you all. Thank you everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty produced by Gotham Production Studios. If you have any questions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at Demystify Beauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.